0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Why, a new podcast showcasing the greatness of people through their life stories. Each episode will capture insight into the lives of people just like you and I, with the intention to connect, align, and create inspiration for and with our listeners. Stay with us through our What's and Why segment, where we dive into our guest perspective with some thought-provoking questions that just might be right up your alley. I'm your host, Helen Dillon, and thanks for joining us. Now let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for listening. Have you ever met someone that can hug you with their eyes, make you feel like you're the only person that matters right then and there, and will ultimately be the very best part of your day? I have, and I consider myself one of the lucky ones. Bobby Reber is an internationally recognized name in the equestrian world. Through her life as a trainer extraordinaire and top-notch sought-after senior hunter and equitation judge, she always exudes a friendly smile that'll warm your heart whether you know her or not. She's been pivotal for so many in shaping who they are and where they've gone in life. She's raised countless young riders by welcoming them into her own home to give them the very best possible experience with horses. And I'm sure there's just as many parents that say a small prayer of thanks to Bobby too. If you haven't guessed yet, this episode celebrates the life of Bobby Reber and all the magical stories she's created and collected throughout it so far. I'm thrilled that she gave us her time and said yes to this interview. Today, I'm privileged to bring you the wonderful, charming, and ever Bobby Reber. So we're here with Bobby Reber. Tell me how it all started. What sparked your interest in horses, and what got you started in the industry?
1: Well, basically, every little kid, you know, you go to the fair, and you see those horses going around and around, and so you had a ride on that. And I remember getting off them, and my brothers are like, you really smell bad. And I'm like, what do you mean I smell bad? I thought I smelled great because I could smell dirty ponies, and they were filthy, dirty ponies. Yeah literally my mother made me take my clothes off in the car and sit in my underwear home not from a horse family your parents no were not. god you... no my father is a watchmaker and my mom worked in the jewelry store with my dad really yeah we just lived in a little bungalow in welland ontario nice and one other funny story about how my mother finally said okay i gotta give in to this kid she made me take ballet lessons so i wasn't big but i was not a ballerina right you'd have to go to the church every saturday morning to go to ballet class so she would drop me off and of course the church was right next door to Northside Dairy. Well, she dropped me off and I just go to the dairy. And the guy would let me pet the horses and, you know, I, and he let me sit on top of them. And, and most of the times he'd find me in the field mm-hmm. sitting there watching them great. So after how many weeks of this, when my next door neighbors was said to my mother, what is Bobby's costume for the finale? You know, the, that they have them ballet classes. And, and my mother said, I don't know, I'm going to have to give them a call because she hasn't said anything about it. And my mother asked me about it. I was like tight lipped. And so she called the, the dance teacher, the school, the thing, and they said, Well, Bobby hasn't been to any lessons. So my mother dropped me off and followed me. I didn't know that. She just dropped me off, drove around the block, followed me, and of course, saw me run right over to the dairy. And she went under the guy and she said, she, and He said, She's here every Saturday morning wow. with the horses. So I, my mother gave in. So now, just outside of Welland, there was a place called Tally Hole Riding Stable. So she must have called around, and there was a lady called Sylvia Smedley. I will still remember her name, and she was from England. And she worked for the man that owned the place. Was name was Dick Vanenbosch and he was a hard old Dutch guy. His wife Adrian, and then they had three kids. And so, literally, my mother took me. I started taking riding lessons. Right, and of course, I was addicted. So then, next thing you know, and you know, I would stay. With other kids would come for a riding lesson, and leave. I would stay and help, and to get extra riding, I would do anything and just, you know, be there and just be there, be there, be there and venture. They said, well, leave her. So she, my mother would drop me off on a Friday night and pick me up Sunday. And I would stay there and I would babysit the kids and help in the barn. And, and Sylvia was from England. She had done the horse master's course and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of my riding. And I met Craig. Craig's my oldest friend.
0: Craig Collins. Yes.
1: Then later I started riding for a man called Bill Barber mm-hmm. as Craig did. Now Dick has since uh, he'd got into racehorses and Sylvia, probably I was about 14 now, Sylvia had moved back to England. She would retired. And of course, then I used to drive, go all the way out to Stevensville and, and get all the racehorses. I was riding racehorses all the time. I'd go to the racetrack and we'd get them home and I would ride them for like four or five months and get them going. And then and I was probably like 15, 16 by that time. And then uh, it was funny because he would he would sell them. And then he'd tell me it was sold, then I'd come home and I'd throw all my stuff and I was going to quit riding. I can't believe he sold my horse. He'd call me. I got another one off the track. I was right out there, right. you know, so I did that for a while. And then I don't know how I got hooked up. I think Bill just asked me to come and ride for him. So I started going out there riding. And, and with that, Craig and I were riding together and yeah. we'd go to all these horse shows and stuff and riding. Bill had, I don't know, three or four horses that, you know, Craig and I Fly had two, he, he had two. And literally I would be up at, in Port Colburn when there's a place called the Cove, which was a dance place. And Craig would come up and say, please come, please come home and please come to the barn. And I'm like, Craig, do you see how much fun I'm having? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say, I'll be there. I'll be there. You go braid the horses, you know, and stuff like that. So it makes so, him do all the work. But we went to all the horse shows. He was. But anyways, yeah, no, no. So we rode for Bill Barber as a kid. And then I went to England from, from school. For as soon as I graduated, everybody went off to school. I didn't want to. I had seen the movie Horse Masters, yep. Walt Disney's, and I went off to England. And while I was in England riding, it was very 3D event oriented. Right, and I was a working student, and we went to Hickstead, and I run into Jimmy Day and Jimmy Elder, and Jimmy Elder said, like, "What are you doing here?" And I'm, I'm going to school. Here. Well, go to the barn and find Pennies down there, Penny Murray, uh-huh. who was working for him, and Carolyn Sudbridge, who was working for Jimmy Day. Go down there and start riding. We need to ride horse. So I'm down there and I'm riding Beefeater and Shoeman and all the you know Jimmy Elder's horses and all that. And this would be 60s the year after they won the Olympics. Yeah, 69. 69, 69. So it was a year after they won the gold medal in Mexico. So that's okay. when I was in England, 69. So I would have been 18. Mm-hmm. And so by that time, I, I knew I was going to go back to St. Catharines and ride for Bill. Mm-hmm. And then from there, from Hickstead, they said, Can you go to White City? And of course, I'm at school. So I have to, you know, in those days, you didn't text you, you know, what was that called? The SO, you know, the yep. uh, telegraph. my mom and said, Can I go to, can I go? You have to, can you contact school and say, I'm going to go to White City to the horse show there? So off I go. And of course, they weren't thrilled because it was with the show jumping people. And the place I was at was Crabbit Park, which was very eventing. Right. Crabbit Park's very famous. So then, of course, then Jimmy Day said, OK, you know, we need you. Can you come to Dublin Horse Show? Well, how do you say no to that? Right. Well, I almost got kicked out of school because of that, because I was going to Dublin. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when I came back from England after being there for a year, after I come back, I said, you know, I'm going to go work for Jimmy Dave mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a big fancy Samson Farms out here on Trafalgar Road and And then the girl that was training left. And so all of a sudden I'm the trainer and I'm training people that are only two years older than them. Right. You know, anyways, that's when I really realized that I really enjoyed the teaching, really enjoyed the teaching. I also realized that the jumpers were easy for me because I invented, and they were easy for me. And the hunters were hard because people don't realize how hunters are not easy to ride. And I found them hard, but I also really appreciated The beauty of how a wonderful, in those days, we used to gallop and jump four foot, you know, and so then, of course, by that time, you know, Bill had built a big arena, he called it Four Seasons Farms and asked me to come back and start training by that time I wanted to come back to St. Catharines. So then I came back to St. Catharines. And that's when I met Len and got married and blah, 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 blah. But I was training for Bill Barber for quite a few years until I got my own place. Wow. So then I got Reba Ridge. Mm-hmm. So the first few years I did a lot of riding, but that's when I had the Randy Coles and Lynn Underhill and Sharon White and Julie Walker and those kids. And they were that whole group. And I was still doing a lot of riding. Yep. Len was a, quite a good rider. And I always found that if I did better, he'd get a little funny, which uh-huh. was competition. I also realized that a lot of the horse shows, there weren't a lot of rings. I'd be on a horse, hey, Here's where's Bobby, where's Bobby, where's Bobby? So I really realized that I got more reward out of training than I did riding myself. I can honestly say it that I, the jumpers were easy for me, even though I didn't jump Grand Prix. I right. found the young horses easy to do because I love training the thoroughbreds. I love getting in their minds. I love training them and then selling them. I'm, a, I'm just a thoroughbred lover. I always have been. Yep. They're so smart. And I love getting them off the track and getting them fat and beautiful and selling them. And we did really well. Len and I used to go to Fort Erie in the fall with like $10,000 and bring five home. right? And fatten them all up and bath them and clip them. And, you know, I'd ride them around the arena. And at and that time I was still showing. But I really found that, at, that if I could concentrate more on the training, that part I enjoy. Because I went in and won five classes with the kids. That was five classes more than I would have won. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I really realized that I loved the teaching. I always wondered this. Trainers
0: that don't ride and teach from the ground or used to ride and maybe doesn't anymore. Did you find that harder or easier to train from the ground?
1: I've always been really lucky to be able to see things you and be able to fix it. it. Some of the things if you say what are you really good at, Bobby? I'm really good at putting horse and rider combinations together. I mean Martha Gayford used to always say, "When I want a horse, I don't want Tommy to find. I want you to find it." Yeah. Because of riding thoroughbreds and they taught you so much. I would, most these kids all did their own work at home. Yeah. Like when I got to the horse show and Eric would ride knee-deep and Sutton as first-year horses and those horses and win everything. The only time he sat on them was at the horse show. Right. These kids did all their own work. Jennifer O'Neill did all her own work on those horses. Jennifer Smith, those kids, ones off the track, even Ann Wilson, you know, yeah. they'd come and they'd have lessons and they learned how to train these horses from these kids rode these horses from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. When they got to the horse show and they had to go in the first year, that's when we'd put Eric on them. Yeah, And that's why they rode so well because they knew their horses. Yeah. What I was always really lucky about is kids had horses that suited them first of all eric could get on and ride this chair mm-hmm. so eric could ride anything so he rode the horses like they wanted to go so they went the way how it suited heather how it suited bonnie how it suited mm-hmm. jennifer how it suited Allison. you know that horse was suited to them right whether okay. i bought it for them or they came with it and we won because of how it went but i still had that urge to get on and fix yeah. it but then i thought no be better and teach them how to fix it yeah. at the end of the day it was better made me a better trainer yeah I mean it was too easy for early years I did that get off and I would fix it and stuff like that you know that when I was working for Bill Barber I would kids get off get on and Mm -hmm. I would fix it or set them up as they want to say whatever but all those years I was so successful my juniors because they really rode Yeah. yeah and I say that now like I remember coming back I forget why after I moved out west I came back and I said to those guys, none of you are training riding lessons anymore. Right. They, they just put the kids on and around them. Give them riding skills. Yeah. But I remember getting so angry. Mm-hmm. Now I see it, it's getting better because. They're teaching people to ride again. They're teaching the riding skills again. And so often we would work hard all winter and then we start showing. Mm-hmm. I said to them the other day, I said, you know, so often is that I would get to the month of August and some of the wheels would be falling off, and some of the things. And I'm like, "Geez, I'd like to sh- stop showing for a week." But we're like mm-hmm. right, right in points for the royal points for the royal. I'd like to stop for a week and just gymnastic and just kind of. Re rebake the kid, do homework and that's what I'm really enjoying right now just showing them riding skills like your horse is bulging left can you not feel that look at his front foot that's why he's got paint on his left toe right because he keeps dropping his left shoulder because you're not holding you know blah 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 and just what I call baking the cake or slow jumping work tracks learning to ride tracks when you stay out and do seven now you stay in and do six and how to make a bending turn and how to do yeah. a dog's leg turn you know with a point of turn straight straight you know there's three tracks on a bending line inside track Middle track, outside track, depending on the stride of the horse, whether you want to add stride, whether you want to leave out a stride, basic skills. And so that's the part that I really enjoy. Funny, because sometimes at the end of the lesson, I think I hope and then the kids like, oh, my God, we loved it. We loved it. And I think, well, it might be boring because these kids are used to jumping Grand prix, and I'm not letting them jump higher than three foot nine. Right. But it's not the height. And I keep saying it's, these jumps aren't even the issue. It's the, the basics. Yes, yeah, we're doing a pattern where we're doing lead change where and these jumps are in the way. Right. So you got to hop over them. Yeah. So these jumps are run way because this is it's all about the track, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So I have really learned to be very creative. And then when I went out west, one of the reasons George Tidball really talked me into going out west was because they really wanted someone to develop the hunters. Yeah. And make them better and give the riding lessons. You know, I got really lucky out there and put some really nice horse rider combinations like 16 Candles. And, you know, I've got, I can go on and, on and on with different riders out there. But, you know, I was very lucky. And I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you always have the best juniors. Whenever you'd come to a horse show, you always have the best juniors. I had, you know, Joey Roycroft that does the courses. Okay. So Joey's father, who was hilarious, just a big old dude, right? Yeah, He looked like tall Colgan. So he asked me one time, could Joey come to a couple of horse shows with me? Because he had a cute little junior. This is when Joey was little.
0: I didn't even know he rode. Oh yeah. He
1: was actually a good rider. Oh yeah. yeah. A good rider. So he came to me and we took him to two horse shows and he was hilarious. Oh my God. He was hilarious. And he said to his father, dad. In two weeks, I have learned so much from Bobby, more than I've ever learned from any other riding teacher. And she's got all the hot girls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I was always, I always was very, very lucky to have a great group of kids. And I really loved that. And my amateurs too, all, you know, all of them. And when you start putting teams together, like the young riders team, when I took the kids to Chicago and we were silver medalists. And yeah. that's way more rewarding for me than riding. Yeah, you know, That's what I found was the teaching was really. Did you find that
0: it was a skill you sort of had to hone?
1: early on was oh, it something you yeah. got not every kid understands the same thing
0: do exactly. i need to say it oh in a absolutely way and you
1: get very creative and that's why how did you do that okay two ways when i first started working for samson farms and then became the riding teacher i would sit in the arena and we had a lesson program and i would experiment on these kids they were guinea pigs and i remember one time i always say even now i'll say if i was only allowed to teach one thing i'd say eye control because if a rider has eye control and looking and using their eye, everything else falls into place. Timing just happens. Right. When you're looking down, you have no timing. But when you're looking and feeling what's going on, and feeling's instantaneous. Looking down, look, register. It's too late. Looking is feeling. So these kids would be trotting around, and I would and I'd experiment. I thought, I'm going to experiment on you know riders not looking down at their ponies. I said, okay, everybody, look at me and don't touch your horse's mouth. Look at me. And one by one, the horses would start to come into the center, because the kids would be like. And I remember one of the boys saying, wow, you're a witch. <laughs> I'm like, well, a little, you know, years wow. later, maybe I am. But anyways, right off the bat, I learned I could from that simple experimenting with those little kids yeah. on the horses with school horse. And of course, I studied hunt seat equity. I mean, George was our, you know, George, as he, I still adore him. I remember I was in Florida with Jimmy Day. I went to Florida the first year I worked for him before, before I actually did a lot of teaching when he still had me riding. And I would sit outside the ring, and, I, and George called me a squatter. He called Norman DelaJoy and I squatters, because I would sit out there, and I'd. Watch, I never went to the Listen. ring. I never went to the ring. When I went to Harrisburg to watch the medal finals, I never went in. I'd follow like Laura Belisky, because I knew mm-hmm. she was Canadian. I didn't even know her, but the year that she won it when she was fifteen, or I'd follow Tosca Coke because I knew she was Canadian. Mm-hmm. You know, or somebody that I want that I maybe I heard might have been famous. And I was in my early twenties, and I would follow and watch them. But then I'd go back out and, and I'd study. I yeah. watched the and ring. and I used to learn so much. And I would follow George, and I'd listen to George, and just by listening to just them and listening, listening to them, li- exactly. So and, I would, I and I still am to this day a real believer, monkey see, monkey do, because I never had any real formal riding lessons. You know, yeah. I mean, Dick gave me horses to ride. Bill's not a trainer; he was, you know, a guy that had a farm, and I rode. I rode by the seat of my pants, and I went to one horse show at Chincuzzi. And Michael Kotowski came up to me and said, Who are you? I'm gonna train you. And I'm like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> and sure enough, I went to the horse show the next week with him. And because I was a part of the pony club, I had to, you know, take some kids with the pony club, but I was 19 by then. And he helped me at a horse show. I thought, Holy cow, someone coming to the end gate and telling me how to do this?
0: Wow.
1: Like that's magic, right? right? I, I didn't even have to barely think. I mean, he's telling me to do this line and this, but I didn't know how to do lines. I just went and jumped. So all these little things made me realize right from the very beginning when I was like 19 teaching those kids and then listening to George and reading and reading and reading and reading. Mm -hmm. I must read that Huntsy equitation a million times where I realized if you want to get the perfect leg position, go to a two point and trot around the ring. But in my lifetime, I've probably have had four major private jobs offered to me. Mm -hmm. And boy, they're tempting. But the one thing, and I, I used to think really hard about it, and I've never done it, is because I think the kids give you creativity. I think every kid you train teaches you something. They teach you as much as you're teaching them. Because yep. how am I going to fix that? I got to think about that. And, how, and some kids are just natural. Some kids are just like so easy to teach, yeah, right? That's
0: going to be my next question. Have you ever come across one that's just not?
1: We're very lucky in North America is that there's so many divisions. There's always somewhere. I mean, if they're really... That bad about not find the jumps, then go buy them a cute jumper and let them go jump a meter. Like, there's always way to give kids reward. Horses are wonderful that way. Horses are wonderful that if they're shown in the right division and the right classes and the right horse, good horses teach good riders. Yeah. You know, when someone says, well, we bought a racehorse off the track for little Mary Jane. I'm like, guess what you want to do? Find another barn. That's right. Because Thoroughbred and Little Mary Jane, that's not a formula that works. No, You know, trust me, let's go buy one that doesn't pass the vet that you can afford. Yep. And I promise you what that horse will teach you. And any top professional will tell you good horses teach riders. Yep. You know, the Ian Millers on Big Ben, sure he was a great rider, but Big Ben made him. I'm sure Eric was a great rider, but the Cagneys and the Hicksteads put them on the map. And from then on, all they do now is struggle, 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 finding that next big superstar. Because they're so good, they can make them up. Mm -hmm. But John Whitaker has great horse, but he'll never have a Milton again. It's always like that. Sure, they can have lots of good horses in their life because they're such good riders now. Yeah. But the horses like the Big bens and those kind of riders really develop their skills at high international levels. So when you see these kids that win the medal finals and all that, they're sitting on top, top. Those horses are machines. Yeah. Yeah. They're not riding some third but off track like what we used to do. Right. The courses are so much more technical. Yes, And the kids ride so much better because they're on good horses and the teaching's gotten so much better. And yeah. like I say, going back to, I think every kid teaches a trainer how to be creative. Some kids, it's very easy. Some, you know, I, I, I've had kids like Jennifer Smith was the perfect example. I had to listen to her at the end gate because she had a hearing problem mm-hmm. and she always wanted to repeat the course like three or four times. If I didn't pay attention to her one time, I didn't pay attention. And she said the course wrong and she went off course. Oh. Who took the response? Me. Because I didn't pay attention. And and I knew, you know, and she didn't blame anybody, but I knew it. So Stephanie Stevens, she had an eye like you couldn't believe. But if she didn't turn her head when she was coming out of a corner, she didn't turn her head to look to the next jump, I'd start hyperventilating. Because I knew she could make a distance, but it wasn't. And Bonnie was the same way. Bonnie was another one. Because Bonnie had a great eye. But they would turn the corner and all of a sudden you see them adjusting. They could still adjust and win. Don't misunderstand me. Meanwhile, I'm like, (gasps) you know, okay, good. They turned. They looked. As soon as 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 they looked, I knew they knew where they were. So some kids are very gifted that way. And other kids, you just work at the skills that work for them and put them on the correct horses. But again, I was very lucky. These kids rode well. I mean, you know, I I taught them well. They rode well and they did all their own homework. That yeah. was a difference. And that's the difference. A lot of kids now, they come and they show up and their horses have been set up. So that philosophy not, has changed. A had, little and bit. I'm not begging it because the, for sure, that's the way the system has. But these kids, I mean, that horse didn't jump unless they jumped them. Sure. in the early when I did a little bit of jumping, but after I stopped, I mean, these kids did all their own work. Mm-hmm. They did all the gymnastics, they did all their own work. So I was very lucky. And that would have been in the 70s and the 80s I was able to set them up and these kids rode them you know and and were able to because they had good riding skills do you think that's an art that's lost in today's industry no I think a lot of people right now are doing a lot of lessons they're probably loving it I find sometimes you know a lot of people just do these hitching ring lessons you know round circles round circles it's a lot to be said about kids that learn to ride out of the ring and not just around and around and around. I think that the technical part of riding is really good now because it has to be, especially when you get to the jumpers and and the big medals and stuff. Kids like Sam Walker... You know, they've developed their skills because her parent, Dee Dee knows what it's like to ride crappy ponies because she did, and, cra- and horses off the track because she rode them for me. Mm-hmm. So Sam got to ride all that kind of stuff. And Sam's just one of those natural gifted riders. I mean, he's just very good. And he's a watcher. And smart kids are easy to teach. You. Kids are smart. Um, when I would take the kids to Spruce Meadows, you know, when I was out west, I'd take the kids to Spruce Meadows. And, you know, they, they show in the morning. But guess what they did in the afternoon? They sat with me. They didn't go shopping. They didn't go back to the hotel room like a lot of the kids did. Mm-hmm. You know, all the kids from the States they sat with me at that international ring and we watched monkey see, monkey do. We watched yeah. how those horses, you know, the, the pressure that some of those big jumpers and stuff like that. And I remember one time we put a big bridle on one of the kids and I said, have you ever seen the bridles on some of those big jumpers? I mean, right. they're so strong, right? But that's because you want them like that. You know, you don't want them off the bridle. You want them into that bridle to jump meter 45, meter 50, mm-hmm. meter six. So kids like Sam, I mean, he's ridden everything and he's ridden out in the fields and played around and done all because these allowed him. To be like that and to ride all kinds of horses for people. Scott knows he's been thrown on the ground lots and they told me when he was young
0: that he wasn't allowed to ride in a saddle. I mean, when he was probably before he was six. Right. I think Scott said to me he wasn't allowed to ride in a saddle until he could stay on a pony bareback back yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's just giving you this bravery and and natural balance and all kinds of stuff. And yep. I mean, that's what we used to. The kids I remember when I first moved out west, the most favorite horse show the kids with their ponies wanted to go. They went to this place called Maple Ridge because there was a pond. And after they'd show, they'd take all their ponies down and swim in the ponds. Ashley had, I think she had Nugget then, and then Molly Graham, who's now a professional in California. She had Barney Rubble. Mm -hmm. And then Ashley Robin had Prince Valiant that, you know, went on to be top, top pony. They wouldn't go in. They couldn't get the ponies to go in the pond. They'd go across the river that went into the pond, but it was quite a deep pond. Barney loved it. All the kids got on Barney. I finally had to say, guys, stop. I mean, okay, Molly, it's your turn. Okay, Ashley, it's your turn. Okay, little Ashley, it's your turn. Okay, Katie, it's your turn. I mean, around and around and around that pond. Oh and the God. next day they wondered why he was adding in the lines. He could barely can or he was so tired. So, <laughs> but he was such a great pony because he loved swimming. Yeah. But that's fun. That that was their favorite horse show to go there. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Kids have to be, you know, be able to gallop across fields and all that. Now, has it changed? And I'll tell you why it's changed. Because when I first started at Reba Ridge, horses cost $2,500. Now they cost two hundred and fifty. Right, myself would not let you take your beautiful thousand-dollar junior horse. hunter and run across that field because right. the more expensive the horses got, the more expensive shoeing we've had to have. We've had more high-end vettings we've had to have. And an interesting thing: when I first started buying horses for kids, I never ever had the parents say, "Well, what's what are we going to get out of it?" Cause they didn't care. They were spending five thousand dollars. One father, I bought what was a cute pony called No Request, and she was riding taking riding lessons. I remember her father saying to me you know, she was bugging, bugging, yeah. And it was a cute pony that I had for sale. Father said, why should I buy this pony? I said, because she'll be with me at the horse shows on the weekend, not at the mall. He could not write that check fast enough. Right. Oh, yeah. And she rode all the way through high school, which probably kept her out of troubles. Yep.
0: When you first started out, did you think that that was going to be a thing? Because, I mean, you raised a lot of kids. Oh, my
1: God. You raised exactly all, of kids, in, in, all those juniors, in, all those kids from Heather and all these kids from Toronto and all that. But did you ever
0: think that you'd be so poignant in um, the development of these adults now? Like yeah, a lot of people and they'll remember all tell those you, days.
1: Exactly. Like somebody posted a while ago on Facebook, that picture where remember that team that we had, the Reba Ridge team, we used to have Battle of the Barnes games or whatever. and So fun. Oh, they remember those. They were so yeah. fun anyways. And the stuff that people said about those are my best memories and how much fun I had. Yeah. And it was not just the riding part was so good of it, but all the fun in the pools yeah. and all that. We can't do that now. It's the rapport that I was very lucky. I mean, the kids, as far as I was concerned, when the kids went in the ring, and this is very important for people to know, when when they went in the ring, as far as I was concerned, they were the best trained. That's what I wanted them to think. They're the best trained. They're the best mounted. They were the best turned out. So you go in there and ride your best. And as far as the camaraderie with the kids around the ring, to me, kids now, you know, they get a little bit. They're very competitive. They're very mean to each other. I mean, my kids would go and stay at the barn at, at Willa Gauthier's kids. They'd all, they'd sleep at each other's barn. Nobody was stealing clients. No. Didn't worry about that. You know, they all had fun. They all did parties i mean the birthday parties was on ashley's birthday 25 briar horses later mm-hmm. you know every ki- every kid was a, brought a briar horse you know i mean stuff like she was in all that that was all part of the fun of the riding part so that was very important so i think every kid that comes into your life teaches you as much as you teach them yeah when they go in there they have to go in like winter i i listen to trainers at the end gate and they're like okay so they're, they're probably going to spook at the wall and then when you come out of the corner Remember that he's really hard about that right to left lead change. So be really careful about not missing that negative, negative. I'd rather go shopping. Right. Like you want me to go in the ring. I know he's going to spook at the wall. I'm probably going to miss a lead and I'm not going to get down the first line because but he's going to write a check. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give you a check for telling me all the things he's going to do wrong. Yeah. You no. Know, and I always say, I don't like negative horses. I don't like negative people. I mean, negativity has to be completely taken out of the picture as a trainer, because I've heard trainers who are very negative. I mean, they kind of go in the ring and say, okay, so make sure you ride a little stronger to the wall. Mm -hmm. A a lot of horses have looked at it. Stay out for your lead change. You'll be okay there. If I had a dollar for every time I said, start with enough, I'd be a zillionaire. Right. So start with enough and get galloping to that first fence. And, you know, that's how you got to be positive. So trainers have to be positive. I mean, look, at shit happens quick enough out there. But because you're working, it's not like you wake up in the morning, and you feel great with your tennis racket, your skis. Your horse might wake up in the morning and go, I don't feel so good. Right. I'm a little stiff. Yeah. You know, so you're working with another mind. So you have to be on top of your game and be really positive and positive with your trainer and positive with your program and to get in there and, and to compete. Because before you know it, some sick little course designer has done some weird five and a half to a right. triple, you know, yeah. something like that. Enough happens in the ring that you're not in control of that you have to be very organized with what you are in control with. And that's well turned out, well mounted, well warmed up, schooled, so on and so forth. Mental. So much of it's mental. It's a real mental game. You know, visualization, what you want. Do you ever miss showing? Do you ever miss it in the show ring? Me, myself showing? No. no. Never. When I rode for Bill Barber, there was a, a, a kid and she had all these horses. And she had like four or five horses and she'd make them all stop. Well, then I'd get them. And you'd make them win. And the minute I beat her. I got her next one. And that one went back, really, and I found that hard, but that made me the trainer that I was later. But as a kid, I got everybody's cast off, which made me, in the end, suck it up. Yeah, quit having your little temper, temper- where You go home and throw your hat and your chap in the closet because you're going to quit riding. Yeah, but it really made me get into horse psychology. I think I became a good trainer of horses. And horse psychology because I rode thoroughbreds. I rode hard ones. Yeah. If I get a hard one, I'm very good at it because I really enjoy working on tough ones. Well, it's nice when you get one that's easy. Don't misunderstand but, sure. you know. And that's yeah. when I go buy them. I, I don't say, give me all your shitty ones. You know, right. When I go to Europe, I started going to Europe a lot and buying a lot of horses over there. And I was very lucky to pick up a lot of nice horses there. I think I bought 37.
0: Wow.
1: 37. And only one didn't turn out. All the rest turned out either sold or went on to win or whatever. And only one didn't. Wow. Really quick, you know, my stories, and this is kind of funny. So I'm adamant now that horses have to do a lead change. Like they have to naturally do them. And when people say, oh, well, we'll train it, do lead change, see you later. It's like when someone says to me, I have a three foot hunter, keep it. Yeah. Because I buy meter 40 scope to show junior hunters, and I buy meter 30 scope to jump three foot. I don't want one that can just. Because it takes, it's too much. And these kids get long and they have, you know, you have to have scope. You have to have yeah. talent. Anyway, so we went to France and it was a stallion that I loved. His name was Gammon because in France, all the horses, the year that they're born is, with other horses, they have to be this first letter has to be the sire Okay. But in France, if they're born in such and such year, they all have to be G's. So they're all the G's are born that year. And then, of course, they rotate, you know, every after they do the 50s, you know, but they start with all the F's and all the H's. So I've had, you know, all different kinds of names, different ages. And this horse was Gammon. He was the G year. And he was beautiful. It's hard to find ones that move really well in France. He was a beautiful mover, too. Mm but he wouldn't do lead changes. So they put him in the, he was in the Fontainebleau sale, which is a big deal. And he didn't get sold because he's on his hind legs. You know, he was a jerk. He was a real stallion and they had a high reserve on him. So he didn't get done. So then I went and saw him the next spring. And by that time they would galled him because he was so bad. They had galled him. So he was much quieter. He's still lovely. He'd put weight on. He'd grown. Now he's a four-year-old. Julie and I went back to look at him and he moved, he jumped beautiful, but he wouldn't do a lead change. So I said, Julie, I cannot buy this one. There. So she talked the guy into taking it to a dressage guy. Mm. And I'd never done this again. So the third time I looked at this, <laughs> and- I, I look at him in the fall. And he's been with the dressage trainer. He's canning around. He canters across there. He does the most beautiful lead change. And it's like the angels started singing. And the <laughs> harps went off. I'm like, da, 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 da. <laughs> He went across and he did another lead change. I like, so I was so excited. And I was actually buying it for a man that had given me money to buy a group of horses. So we bought four horses that trip. Anyways, so that was the last lead change that ever, ever did. T- uh, so I get him home. I get him back to, to Vancouver. I get him to Langley. Well, at the time, bless her heart, who I adore is Melanie Walters. Mm-hmm. And she could ride the wallpaper off the walls. And she made him land on the leads, and you know she would just make him land. Of course, he'd land on the leads. The reason I'm going here because it's a funny story at the end. And so we'd win everything, and then people would try him, and they'd go do a lead change. Didn't do it. No, we'd lose the odd class because he'd skip change, whatever. But four out of five, he'd win because Melanie was so cool about landing. Anyways every time forget it no sales no sale no sales so one night we're Heather Archer who I adore who's a trainer from Edmonton her and her husband and they would always come and visit me and we were sitting up there drinking wine and she said to me have you ever seen that survey or that that thing that they did at Colorado Strait about whorls mm-hmm. on horses heads and I said no And she said what's well, very interesting the higher the whorl is intelligence so if a horse has a high whorl that means he's intelligent." Double worlds are very intelligent, to almost difficult because they're so damn smart. Most horses' worlds are right in the middle, which is normal, normal intelligent. And the lower the world, the dumber they are. We walk down the my walk up to Gammon. His world is two inches below his eye level. You know what I did? <laughs> I gave him away the next day as a trail horse. He's the most beautiful trail horse out there. Wow. I gave him away. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so I gave him away. And thankfully, all the other horses of this man's group, we made so much money with them. Yeah. we could cast him aside. But I was like, I can't even
0: look at oh him. Oh, my God. I saw that article recently, I think, on yeah, social oh media oh yeah, the people Yeah,
1: people talk about it. And I'll it, tell you, you can walk down to your barn and go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that one's a little slow. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, and what I was going to say earlier, so I remember having fathers. They never said to me, what am I going to get at the end of this? Mm. They didn't care because they were just happy to, you know, have their kid at the I horse shows with me. Yeah. Later, now when I'm starting to spend fifty upwards I had to like the first one I bought knee deep I mean we paid $30,000 I think maybe 25 30 for him I knew that I could make money for Butch at the end because he was only a three-year-old we then sold him for way over a hundred because he went on to be a superstar and then of course he went on even more famous same with you know I bought I bought Sutton as a yearling I think I don't even I paid like I don't know 800 or nine I forget what I bought him for and then the phrase it did so well with them after they bought him from me but what I was going to say was even Still when I was buying horses out west, I always had to think, am I gonna get some return? Mm-hmm. If the parents weren't really concerned about it, then I didn't vetting wasn't such a bad, you know. But if I knew that I was gonna have to sell it again, I had to be a little fussier about the vetting. Yeah. And it's interesting, a couple of times I would buy horses who didn't have the best vettings, knowing that once I put a record on them, yeah. once they started showing them, put a record on them. And I kept the price why I could still sell them. And yeah. you can. You, you can, can see that. Yeah. yeah. So so you just have to be a horseman. Yeah. At the end of the day, you gotta be a horseman because every horse is different. Do you think that's lost? I think it's lost with the young kids in the way that they haven't learned the care. You know, when I see kids like Sam Walker, he's very involved on the care of his own horses. He's gonna be a horseman. Yeah. But he's coming from family of horsemen. Yeah. I mean, these kids that just walk in and ride their horses and, and leave. There's lots of kids that do that. And I it's like get a it. different market. It's a, it's a different market. They, you know, they're tra- their horses are set up. They come in the ring. And I think there's still people out there. I just think sometimes the business has made it where the riders just come in and ride and leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My kids could, they could do everything. They could yeah. braid. They could do everything. Yeah. To this day, I can still do everything. I don't want to do it. No. But I can still do everything. Maybe not I'm Not the greatest course designer, because I hate course lining. <laughs> I You can put a whole course up and I can think of all kinds of great tracks. Yeah. I'm a great track thinker. Where do you want the jumps? I don't know. Just put them out there put somewhere. Out there. Just we'll put them I'll it out. figure it out after that.
0: In your opinion, who do you think is
1: a god of horsemen? Okay. So a god of horsemen as far as a trainer and a teacher is George. How yeah. can you not say George? Yeah. He created a system. He created a system that we all followed. He became our mentor. He went on to produce not only riders that were top juniors and won medal finals, but then those riders went on to be grand prix and international riders Mm -hmm. you know he proved that the north american hunt seat equitation was a system that produced riders Mm -hmm. i know some people Mm -hmm. will argue with me about the equitation saying it's not good enough i'm a believer in it but i love the equitation but to me the equitation is just good riding yes to win the medal finals lovely but that's only a stepping stone it's not the too many people put it to the, that's the end of, that's like the goal. No, it's not. It's a stepping stone. Look, look at our system. We've got the McLeans. we got the Beezy. We've got the Laura Crouch. We've got the Aaron Ballard. I can go on and on and on. That were great equitation riders. You know, Sam now riding for the team at a young age. Tiffany Foster was a beautiful equitation rider. Even Eric rode in the equitation, believe it or not. Ian, Ian's a beautiful stylist. And George, he worked with Hunterdon. Mac. all those guys. That proves that the system that George created, that actually is from Gordon Wright. So if you were to say George, who's your mentor, he'd say Gordon Wright. Right. So Gordon Wright, between Gordon Wright, who created a system and George, who put a name to it and refined it. So that has to be as far as a teacher and creating a system. As far as horsemen, that's hard to say for me, because I want to go back to the old times. I want to go back to the, you know, guys like Eugene Cunningham, which is a great confirmation man. Dave Kelly. I mean, these guys produced young horses. Jimmy Lee. Yeah. To sit there with Jimmy Lee, yeah. who still judges, who's still like so excited to get in that judge's booth at whatever. I don't even know how old he is, but he's such a good horseman. And to listen there and him to tell you the stories, you know, the stories that he will tell you and, and discussion and then ask you your opinion. And we can, and we sit there and we discuss. You remember so and so. You remember stocking stuff. Mr. Wheeler, Kenny Wheeler with his knowledgeable confirmation horses yeah. and, and how to develop horses. So as far as great horsemen, I think unfortunately the kids don't get to see those guys produce those horses and there's lots of good riders out there who become good horsemen as well but that's hard for me to you know i'd have to think you know ralph crystal's a great horseman i mean i think very highly of him somebody's gonna say oh you forgot me i mean don stewart is he's a great production manager yeah he's a he's a great horseman but he's also a great production manager yes. The we you know he could run a circus if he had to one time I was at the Royal Winter Fair and I had Samantha Aird who was one of my best junior riders and we were sitting there and Martha Fell who rode with me who I adore, she gave me their her box seat mm-hmm. well Jimmy Elders came and he had the grandchildren and all that kind of stuff with him and he had too many so I said Jimmy sit in here with us so he sat down well I'm going to tell you something he started telling stories as he can well the kids he has sat there like this looking back and we barely watched the class he told stories, and I remember Sam aired saying to me afterwards, Bobby, that was the best night I've ever had. Yeah. So I think riders, you know, they don't ever do that part of it. They don't understand. They just come and ride, and they, you know, and they're good riders, not, but I can, I can guarantee you some of those kids, if you went to some of those juniors and said, Who's so and so, who's so and so, and did you know that they wouldn't know because right. they haven't studied, they haven't read books. People should read books or, re- you know, now everybody just gets on the internet stuff.
0: Yeah, and through no fault of their
1: own. No, it's just no. this is sort of a society blanket yeah. on how we operate. So nowadays. that's right. I mean. Kids need to understand some of these horses that were famous and riders that were famous and, and do their homework,
0: do yeah. their homework. I'm interested to know when you decided to shift to judging or was that always an interest of yours? Well,
1: no, not at all. So, you know, you stand at the end gate and you watch, you know, you especially with the hunters and you watch things go on you, and you think you're, you know, you don't don't forget, you always think you're the best. Right. My mother showed dogs and she used to call it kennel blind, that you had the best dogs and you call it kennel blind. And she one time said to me, I should, how'd it go? I said, well, one didn't go. One went really well. The judge didn't use it. And she said, well, why do you show in front of that judge? I said, because you show that's the judge. She said, well, when she looks in the, her, in her prize list and sees it's a judge that didn't use her dogs well, she doesn't go. Why spend the money? But that's a different, cause they go purely on confirmation. Right. Ours is performance. So I had right. to explain her to that. She used that word kennel blind. So you think you have the best dogs and you might have the best trip. But unless you stand there and watch the whole class in the same places where the judge is sitting, it's a different horse show. So you have no complaints. I remember I was standing there and Susie Shelkoff said to me, have you ever thought about judging? I went, why would I want to do that? And she said, because you know what? The business has been good to you. Why don't you put give it back to the business if you think you could do it? I said, you know, I think I could. So my first person I ever sat was with was Billy.
0: Glad. Yeah,
1: Billy at ISS. And I loved it. And he made it really fun for me. And I really realized how hard it is in the way that you really have to be organized, have a system. Yeah. You create a little bit your own system. You do clinics. First of all, years ago, I was at a friend's wedding in Lake and Torchy and Betsy came and, and I was getting up early that morning to go to a horse show. And he said to me, you're an in-gate junkie. I love going to the horse shows. I loved it. They were all sleeping. They weren't going away. It was some stupid horse show here at Kettleby. Right. You know, I was driving all the way from St. Catherine, from Bill, Bill Greaves' wedding, to come to a horse show. But he said, that, he said, you're a junkie. And I am. I was an in-gate junkie. So I realized I'm one of the few people that can sit there all day and watch horses. I don't care if they're jumping two foot six or meter 60. I can sit there all day and watch horses. Right. So why not judge? Why not make it? so? And so then I learned that judging actually made me a better exhibitor. Maybe not a better trainer, because I already I learned from other things that you know, I learned by listening and watching as far as a trainer. But it became a be- I became a better exhibitor because you know what? You might be really good, but somebody could be a little better. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I really realized how much I love the judging. Right. And it, you know, and it was a way, you know, you start to get a little tired. And so when I started judging, I think like 26 years ago, 27 years ago, I'd only take shows after I'd been shown for two weeks. My horses were having a break. So I didn't take that many horse shows. I went to the states a lot on a guest card, and then I got my American card as well as my Canadian one. And a couple of years ago, I was turning down more horse shows, good horse shows. They don't keep asking if you keep turning them down right. because I was still showing twenty-five horses out west. And I finally thought, you know what? I've been taking kids to horse. Shows. I've been taking people to horse shows since nineteen sixty-nine. This is my time, so, and so I'm retiring. Yeah. So when people say, "Do you want to go to? Do you want to go to Africa?" I'm like, "Yep," because I can. Yep. And do you want to go here? Yep. You want to go to your horse shopping? Yep, because I can. I don't have to worry about, it. are we going to have lessons this week? You right. just Oh, go, you're going again? You know, and I can take any horse show I want. And the problem was I was starting to get the better shows. Right. You know, I think what really kicked me in the ass as far as getting was when Billy asked me to do Capital Challenge the very first time. And that was in the early days. I mean, that was like, I've done it like six times now. So I don't know how many years ago that was when it first started. And that really, wow, Bobby Reber's judging a big horse show. Then I started getting the big horse shows. And so, you know, in the last 10 years, I've gotten Harrisburg and all, you know, getting Hampton Classic this year is a real feather in my cap, even if it doesn't go, but. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, so I'm very fortunate to get to judge all the nice horse shows. And then, of course, once I was out west, they were asking me to judge California shows and stuff like that. So I got to do a lot of nice shows like that. So, yeah, no, I just I just really enjoy the job. And it became a good retirement because even though I don't want to be out in the school ring slugging rails because, you know, you get too old slugging rails too stiff and getting up at five in the morning to prepare horses, I arrive pretty at eight. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i don't have to sweat right and i sit in my judges booth and eat my snacks mm-hmm. you know and but i really enjoy watching it i i, I could sit there I, and i really enjoy the hunters i dropped my jumper card um i had it for a few years i love training the jumpers i love going to the ring with the jumpers i love watching the jumpers because that to me makes me i have to study there's mathematics about how to do the jumpers as far as numbers and all that where the hunters are just kind of lined you know what i'm saying but the the trick with the hunters is making them jump beautiful making them go beautiful. So I found that more interesting to judge the hunters whereas I was so subjective as to I didn't want to keep my jumper card because okay. I found it actually boring. Unless I was training them and going to the ring gate for them to sit there and judge them. Oh, you know, clear, clear. Oh, and then and then the big thing about jumpers. The equipment. Well, yeah, that too. And then all of a sudden you're and all of a sudden shit hits the fan. Like there's nothing, you're almost bored at that, then all of a sudden it stops at B and jumps out of C and jumps this and jumps. Shit happens and all of a sudden it's like a all thing goes crazy. Like but hit the button. What button? You know, I'll tell you one of my most embarrassing moments. I was judging a little schooling show. Jimmy Outer came in the ring and I'm sitting up there and he's looking up at me. and I'm like, hi, because I love Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Hi. He rides around again, he looks at me again. Hi. He's like, the Bowser, oh, oh yeah! <laughs> I just thought he was being really nice because he liked me. You know? I mean, so that was really embarrassing stuff like that. So I I didn't en- I didn't enjoy judging the jumpers, yeah. you know. And, and then they made us take a test, and I remember we all had to sit down and do the jumper test, mm-hmm. and then we had to pass it all in and pass it around. And I remember the person that got that got my test was that cute little lady from Ottawa. She got my test to judge, and the first question was, "How do you break this thing?" And I I, I got it wrong. I'm like. <sighs> See you. <laughs> I don't know. Do I, right? I got question number one wrong. And I was doing it with John Weir. And he told me the answer to that one. <laughs> he asked me, it's his fault. I dropped it. I didn't do them enough to keep them. And and now, you know, once in a while, the shows would love you to have it. Well, guess what? I don't have it. So send me to another ring. Exactly. I'll go do the walk trots if I have to rather yeah. than jump through the jumpers. Yeah. But And I really, really, really enjoy the judging the hunters. Love yeah. it. As judges, we all have to go and do the short stirrup or the cross rails. And I mean, I know it's not exciting, but it's cute. The kids are cute. But to judge the great first year horses, or I love the confirmation horse. I love doing the juniors. I love doing the medals. You know, to do a derby and watch these horses gallop. You know, I mean, some people think it's so boring. Nothing's more beautiful than a beautiful horse, beautifully turned out, well ridden, galloping around an outside course or galloping in a big ring and, you know, doing it. I've done the derby finals twice now and watching them jump a course like that is breathtaking. I don't care what anybody says. It's breathtaking. So was it a hard transition for
0: you? And correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe when you first got your card, thoroughbreds would have sort of been the in thing in the ring. Right. And then... There was some sort of shift in sort of the 80s, 90s, right? And it went more to warm blood. Was that a hard shift for you? Not
1: so much in the way that I'm a thoroughbred lover. Yeah. The first warm blood I got, I'm not going to call Sutton a warm blood because he was, I bought him as a yearling. He was a crossbreed. He was a Canadian. He was by a thoroughbred, but out of this big black Percheron mare. But my first real purebred warm blood was knee deep. Okay. And as a judge, you know, when you get judges like Bucky Reynolds and Jimmy Lee and, you know, um, again, Bucky Reynolds, a great horseman yeah. as far as trainer of horses. Maybe not, equi- not not like George, who's trainer of riders. That's why it's hard for me when you say who's best is that somebody like Bucky Reynolds is a great horseman of training of horses and finding, uh, you know, confirmation horses. Right. And, you you know, you stand the in gate and we look at each other, and say, please let there be a thoroughbred in the model class. With four feet the same size, because a lot of times thoroughbreds don't have the same feet, right? Right. And sure enough, every year it gets less and less and less and less till you. you know, I don't think we ever see thoroughbreds anymore. Clearly. And the but don't forget too, when we used to do thoroughbreds, we didn't start showing until. London Horse Show in May. We trained. All winter, we trained horses. And then all of a sudden, people started going to Florida. And even then, you could still train horses. Mm -hmm. But then, now there's no break. It's just, I mean, at Samson Farms, when the world was over, we pulled the shoes and threw them off in the snow. They went out in the snow and played and blistered them, did whatever had to be done and throw them out and take their shoes and let them rough off. I remember one time with Canadian Club, he didn't even let us brush them. He wanted them hairy and fat. For the winter to have a break you know but now the horse shows it's just they never end yeah. they never and that's why horses are expensive and they are expensive to keep and you know everything the expense is more and more and more and would you own one again i do i own one right now it's oh, in california do. i own a really nice gray horse neil and i own it together it's at hope glens it's really nice but yes. I, what i don't want to do is when you know and i i talk myself into it because it came from a trainer luke tillerman who i adore over there who's a great horseman and breeds nice horses and it was breeding that i like and i Bottom, and he's only, he was a four-year-old coming five. Katie Ulof did him for me. He wanted three. I mean, he's lovely, but everybody wants made horses. Everybody wants eight-year-olds because nobody wants to train them up anymore. So I find, like I got a video today from a friend of mine who's still in Florida of a four-year-old that's very fancy, but people don't want to buy four-year-olds anymore. Most trainers are training amateurs and kids. Yes. So they have to be able to go, you know, people don't like the Mrs. Guthrie's who would buy a lovely horse to make up. You don't, you don't have those owners like that anymore. You know, the, the melons and you know that what's that lovely lady and that had all the nice ponies. She's in North Carolina and she had all the nice young horses. They like, you know, those people like to have young horses and come and show them. But yeah. You don't you don't have owners like that anymore. You, I mean, you know, p- people have good owners. Don't misunderstand sure. me. You know, you know, like Mark Raines, a fa- Mark and Tara, are great owners. Right. I mean, they have not only have good horses for their kids, for the girls, but for Tara. But they Carolyn Willard gets to ride horses, and now they're buying horses for Eric. So, so but there's very few marks out there. I mean, right. Mark, and Mark is a horse lover. Him and Tara love the horses,
0: and he's never probably been dinged in the industry he's always he's never been led
1: astray he's had good don't forget i don't think he ever i don't even remember if he even owned a horse he's one of those kind of kids that just hung around the barn and was always with all the kids, and then he was a te- he was always techie, mm-hmm. always techie because he did Craig's computer. He did, you know, he'd go to the horse show, and do the royal. Do, he do it was always techie. Yeah. So, but he always hung around, and he showed. I mean, I, I remember him showing. Tara was very involved and very involved in the hunt, North York Hunt. Because their parents are very involved, very involved in the royal. Right. There's very few owners like that. They're so keen just to own nice horses and buy nice horses for people. Sam Walker is very lucky that he's got uh, Marion, but Marion also likes to ride and uh, got her as, as a that likes to buy horses for me. People have good owners, don't misunderstand me, but those owners that would buy four or five hunters off the racetrack and make them up, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, for sure. What would you say is the one thing you love most about judging? I think just seeing a variety of horses, seeing the new horses that come out every year, you know, seeing the first year horses develop and then judging a high-end, top, top, open working hunter or derby horse. That, and of course, the juniors, you know, watching those nice horses with, and, and watching the longevity of some of those old horses have that just keep going. I just enjoy judging, period.
0: You don't mind the travel?
1: No, no. I, the tra- the travel is the hardest part, but you just do it. You just know you're going to do it and then you're going to get there and re- right. be rewarded by, and especially when you get to do nice horse shows. People are good to you and, you know, you like to stay in a nice hotel and some of the like, greatest moments, yeah. you know, that I've had, you know, obviously I've had so many great moments with all the kids. Um, you know, highlight, obviously, is when Ashley won the medal finals. It's one thing to, that you can send 2,000 million kids into the ring, but when it's your own kids, yes. and, you know, when she was little, she was a, she was a chicken. She was very chicken, and she used to jump beanie. She'd go back and forth over a crossroad, and she wouldn't let me put it in the first cup. I had to put it on the crossbars of the standard. Yeah, That was too high, and I wasn't allowed to put ground lines because that made them jump higher and better. Where she got that stuff, how did, how did they pick up that stuff? Right. Her best friends were Aaron and Ryan, and, of course, they're – Booking around, and she's like shitting her pants at cross rails. So then, Farley Soy, of course, you know, I mean, Bonnie would ride Beanie for her, and then Ashley would do in the under saddles. and Bonnie was champion at the world In fact, Farley Soy was champion at the world at 21. Wow. And I remember Ashley and Bonnie walking in to get the championships, and because Ashley got to ride her on the flat, and uh Peter Doubleday announced her 21 years young. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, and so then she got Nugget, who used to throw her off every night. And I remember it finally, and I had somebody come to me at a horse show, and they said to me, we want to buy that mare, that pony. And I'm like, okay, sure. So I went home, and I spoke to Ashley Butler, and she goes, please, can I just try it one more time? And, and for some reason, she got past it. And then, you know, so that pony gave her a lot of confidence. It was also right when Len and I were divorcing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I'd moved to Guelph, so I think that was a lot of baggage on her. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the pony gave her the security that she wanted, and then, of course, she took off and was great with her. So when we went moved out west and then came back, on a horse that she'd been training and won the medal finals. That was so cool. I remember Michelle Balancourt saying, she's still on East Coast. I'm like, no, she's West now. She, you know, they keep counting how many from the West, win, how many. Because yep. now she's still East. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the first mother-daughter. We since then have had other, you know, Jan and Darcy have had mother-daughter, but we were the first mother-daughter combination to ever yep. win it. So that was really cool. Well, let me back up. So we were at the Ponies one time and she was finally in the, cross rails or short stirrup she was finally champion mm-hmm. and billy was judging and so aaron by that time she was probably seven and doing grommet no she was already <laughs> jumping around stuff you know because aaron was always Large brave bonus. oh yeah aaron was always brave ryan was always brave and you know lauren lauren those kids were all yeah she was always nervous she was standing there and billy walked by and he te- he tells the story billy tells the story really funny and they're all like oh my god Ashley, that's so good that's so good you won they're all giving her and she and billy hears saying It was just one of my mom's old boyfriends judging. That's the only reason I was champion. (laughs) Billy tells that story all the time. Did you guys really date? Well, kind of hung out. So hanging out nowadays means something completely different than that. Not really dated. We just kind of hung out and went went to places together. But yet, the first time I met Jen is when he introduced me at Vermont a million years ago as his oldest girlfriend. Nice. I'm meeting this young, beautiful thing he's married to, and I'm like... (laughs) This is old Winter Haven days. This is like in the, you know, 70, early 69, 70 when I met him. But anyway, that's old news. He'd always tease her after that. Ashley loved Billy. And then we went home and then this lady sent this jumper to um, Ashley to make up as an equitation artist because now she was known that she can be the medal winner of the big final. And we jumped this mare, and It was by Abdul and it hung its legs, mm-hmm. right? So we started jumping bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, she was gonna do the jumpers with it. And she just took off to her first Grand Prix. I think she was like 16 or – well, she won the medal finals. She was the youngest to win, ever win the medal finals. She was 15 coming 16. She was 17 when I lost her. So she had two, two – she was already – yeah, she was 16 doing Bertha, 15 or 16 doing Bertha, the jumper milestone. And her first Grand Prix, I could, I could barely stand. I had a friend that had to – hold. I had to send someone to train her to warm her up because I couldn't right and she went her first Grand Prix and had four faults because I made her jump the skinny vertical rather than the open water which if she jumped the open water she would have been clean right Right. but I was like oh I don't know we've never trained the water you know I mean (laughs) shut up mom so that is probably one of the highlights as a trainer when you train your own kid it's really it's you know it's really exciting I
0: mean is that a challenging relationship though yes
1: it's very and I was very lucky in the way that I never put pressure on her what used to be quite funny is that say for instance we were at Ottawa Horse Show and she would go in the ring and she'd counter the first fence or ISS she can't the first fence pull up and walk out of the ring I can't do it I'm too afraid and all the people would look at me how am I going to react what do you think I'm gonna react punch her in the head meanwhile I'm sending everybody else's kids in the ring and I'm like okay bye <laughs> other people would go out and talk to her and give her confidence stuff like that but I had to let her do it at her own way her own yeah. time because she was nervous and once she took off she took off she was brave as dick Tracy and Oh yeah, didn't matter, you know. So I have lots of you know wonderful memories of of being able to train her, and I was very lucky. Like I said, you know, um, she was going down to Missy's that next spring, mm-hmm. and you know, Missy wanted to come down and ride and work for her and stuff like that. So whether she'd still been in the horse business, hard to say. But anyways, yeah. So that was all cool. Cool.
0: And you moved back to Ontario recently?
1: Yeah. Uh, so not last summer, summer before as I started winding it down, down there and just judging and the kids that I had were either finishing and I hadn't really started a new group. I was trying, I was giving those to Pam, the little girl who rode with me, whose place at what, who owned Milner down there. And so I was trying to get away from that because I, I wanted to take on more judging. I didn't want to have to worry about 20 people at home. So it it was just the perfect timing. Plus I said, it was my time. Mm -hmm. I decided this was my time. The reason to move back there is probably 70% of the horse shows I do are on the East coast And for the four or five times that I go to Oregon or California two or three times, they're used to paying flights that way. But to come from Vancouver on a $700 flight and a five hour, why do that to your body? Right. You know, I'm close to my nieces. My nieces live here. And one of my niece, Briar's, had kids. And so, you know, and and then Muffy, Liza Liza Jean, I'm Grandma Bobby, you know, so I spend more time with them. So it's just time. And it kind of left a little baggage back there. You know, it's kind of... I mean, I'd have to drive down the road where Ashley was killed. It's nice to become a little bit removed from it. So. Sure. Well, we're glad to have you back. <laughs> it's, it's actually, I'm enjoying it. Good. I'm enjoying it.
0: And now we've come to what some would call the very best part of the show. Our segment appropriately named What's and Why's. It's where we get to ask our guests some questions that inquiring minds want to know. So without further ado, I bring you the what's and why's for your listening pleasure. Number one, who do you look up to and why?
1: I wouldn't say it's any individual person. Like I said, I you know, George is a trainer, the Jimmy Lees, the Ralph Christos, Bucky Reynolds as great horsemen for training horses, Dave Kelly, those kind of guys. I can go on and on and on about those. I look up to everybody that has the tenacity to stick it out in this business and stay positive. So anybody that can stick out the business, get through all the hard stuff with clients, horses and negativity, still have the tenacity to love the business And stick to it. That's who I look up to.
0: Okay, Uh, what's something that brings you joy and why?
1: Watching good horses, being around good horse people, being around a good horse, watching a beautiful hunter or a top Grand Prix horse. To watch an exciting, like you know, to watch Hickstead to jump his rounds, and you know, to watch these up and coming great. I mean, to watch Sapphire was incredible. To watch the Bavaria. Mm-hmm. Or you know Brunella to watch you know a top to watch Tory Colvin ride Liza Towel to watch watch good horses that yeah. brings me joy to sit there and watch good horses judge good horses
0: when you look back through your life what decision brings you the most happiness and why
1: having Ashley yeah
0: getting pregnant having Ashley and that's case in point <sighs> yeah end of story what is something that you feel people get wrong about you and why
1: well probably now that they think because I don't train anymore I don't know how and so when I do give a lesson, they're like, oh, my God. And and people coming back here, a lot of people don't know who I was. The new generation doesn't know who I was, how big a business I had with these kids and how much. I mean, we kicked ass. You were life changing. Oh, my God. I mean, Robert Miles used to go crazy counting ribbons because we were always stable next to him. Right. And he would have lots of ribbons the first couple of days because it was the greens and all that. And then the juniors would start in the ponies and then I would kill them. Yeah. And I remember one year. This is funny. We're at the Royal Winter Fair. And of course, the juniors and ponies go first. Well, like the kids kicked ass. That was that picture that I posted. I mean, I had I had all the pony kids. I had like five pony one year in the junior hunters. they, They accepted 12 junior hunters and I had six of them, you know, of the horses. So and then I have all these I had all these amateurs, Sue Ward and Muffy and all that. And I had a lot of horses there. And the juniors and the ponies went first. So they'd won everything. And I remember Ian, and of course, nobody really had that many ribbons, but I had tons of ribbons because <laughs> yeah. I'd had all these kids. Cl- and Ian Miller walked me and goes, Oh my God, the show is even, st- this is not fair. This is just not so fair. <laughs> Look at the ra- I mean, he went crazy. It was really funny. So, uh, yeah. and just on a
0: side note, if anyone doesn't know who Robert Mouso is, Google that M E I L S O E. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> He's a great horseman, lots of fun.
0: Yeah. Our last question is, who would you like to hear on What's Your Why as a guest and why?
1: I would think somebody like, as a young writer, somebody like Sam, mm-hmm. another person who would be wonderful to do would be Katie Uloth. Mm-hmm. Because Katie came, her mother was a little trainer. But she rode with um, Patty Sifton, who, who was a very good horsewoman. And then she came as a little working student and has come through the ranks And has really become a top, top rider. I think very highly. And she's got great people skills. Mm -hmm. And she rides well. And she's been very, very loyal to Sandy and Aaron. They're like sisters. So Katie and Sam is young up and coming. And as older trainers, I mean, another one that would be really fun to do would be Mac. Yeah, Because Mac came through, you know, riding horses and working with George and getting, you know, on horses like that. And, I mean, you know, everybody's done Eric. So, I mean, Eric would be great, but. Right. And another really fun person is somebody like Mark Rain, who's now a parent and now an owner and how exciting it is to buy. And he would be so chatty. You probably do it on house party. He would be a lot of fun. Thank you. very much. And thank you. I really enjoy that. I'd like to thank
0: everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why? Our listeners, guests and our sponsors, too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen, and that knowledge has a beginning but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well, and remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media production.